Welcome to Lindsay Lane's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message and we pray that it will serve as an encouragement to you as you go throughout the rest of your week. And thank you for being here tonight on a rainy Wednesday night. If you have your Bibles, take them and open them to everywhere. As we begin a new series on evangelism and uh, this is called Share. We'll take three weeks out of this month just to be reminded of what we already know is our responsibility and to be challenged uh, in the area of sharing our faith and getting the word out and whatever words or whatever way you want to call it. uh, We're going to look in the scriptures tonight to basically see the reasons why we share and to remind ourselves of why we uh, are, are have the responsibility of, of sharing our faith. Just this evening, I was uh, on the phone with someone connected to our church that, that called me about one of their loved ones. And um, it's just the situation's not great. And so after just a little bit of talking through what it is that they're dealing with, uh, there was kind of a brief mention of, of faith, but just brief And so after we got through with kind of the conversation of what the status is and what it looks like, I just asked the question, well, are y'all planning to to share with him or or get confirmation or something that that there is real salvation there, that there is a testimony of faith in Christ or something, anything? And, And there was like, and maybe it's because on Wednesday and this week I've been studying evangelism, but there was urgency in my voice and there was not on the other end of the line. I don't even know who the person is, to be quite honest, but they do. So, so why is that? Why, how, do, how do we even come to this place where we have someone in our life that we think may be lost, or at least there's a question mark over their head about a real relationship with God, a real and right relationship with God, yet... We're not sure about it, but we're also just kind of like, hope it works out. And that's, that is sad, simply because of, of what we'll learn tonight about the reasons why we share, the reasons why we have a responsibility to, to speak truth and to share the love of Jesus. And so I don't want you to be freaked out either. When we talk about evangelism, you know, we didn't pump this series up a lot because Sometimes when you're like, we're going to have a series on evangelism. Well, that'll run folks off, truth be told, and uh, which is why we also balanced it with missions, which is equally scary. So you have to choose one or the other, right? Um, so, so, but it's important to keep this in front of us. As, as, as I've said before, I think the, the one message that God puts on my heart more than any other to continue to put before the church, it's unity. But if there's another one that God always circles me back to in my heart and mind, it's evangelism. Because I need it. I need to be reminded of my responsibility to share, and not just to share from the pulpit, to to be faithful outside of the church and and sharing with others. So tonight I want to give you just three reasons why we share. Three reasons why we share. Three reasons why we get the word out or speak uh, to others about Jesus and the good news that God saves. So let's pray together and we're going to jump right in. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for those that are here, and I pray for those that could not be here tonight, Lord. We just pray that you would speak to our heart and challenge us and change us here in the middle of our week. God, I pray that for those who are already on our heart, uh, Lord, those that we know we need to share with or or they need our example or light or a word from us, God, I, I just pray that you would 
I know you're willing to use us. I pray that we would be willing to be used. Lord, that we would be your ambassadors and that we are sharing the truth and the hope uh, that light can be found and life can be found and there can be a different way to do it and that you are the answer to all of life's questions and problems. And I just thank you, Lord, for how you've worked on me and changed my life and given me confidence of eternal life. And I thank you, Lord, for my own salvation. And pray, God, that out of that, that I would be willing and bold to share with others. Lord, just get us where we need to be. Grow us, grow us as a church and grow us as individuals. And again, I pray for those, uh, for those people that are on our heart and mind right now, that you soften their heart, give us an opportunity to, uh, to speak truth and to share words that matter that your spirit would use towards drawing them to a place of decision. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, the, first, the first reason why we share has to do with the command of Christ. God has been working to restore the world since the world began and sin entered in. God has been looking to restore. To He has a plan of reconciliation. His is the plan of the Father towards reconciliation. Jesus, the Son, has done the work of redemption, and the Spirit then draws us to conviction. That is the work of the triune God, that the plan for reconciliation unto God after sin is God the Father's. The work is carried out by the Son, and the Spirit of God draws us to that place of decision. Uh, but after that, that's when we begin to think about what about the church? What is the church's mission? What is our responsibility within that as we are representatives of the Lord? That's what the Bible says in Colossians. The Bible also calls us ambassadors, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now, what I'm about to do here is I'm about to read you a, a verse at least and a passage from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. This is the, the story, the testimony, the life of Jesus and what he leaves with those who are his disciples. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are in a church on Wednesday night, the first thing you have to do is consider before evangelism is consider whether or not the good news has gotten to you. If you are a, a follower of Jesus, this is applicable to our life now as Jesus is alive and sits at the right hand of God and his commands are all relative because he is alive and he has not yet come back. So I want to read to you from the gospels and towards the end of what he left his disciples with. Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples. Now, if you've heard these before, hear them again, fresh and new. Jesus said to his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. That means if you are in heaven uh, or if you are on earth, then you are underneath the authority of Jesus. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're one of those that thinks we can do missions just fine right here instead of going to all those places, as I see it, it says, go and make disciples of all the nations. Somebody say amen to that. We are responsible then for that with our resources of people and money and time. And then scripture goes on to say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the age of 
or even to the end of the age. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, listed this way. Then Jesus told them, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Later in verse 20, the Bible says, the disciples went everywhere and preached. The Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. That's Matthew, that's Mark. Now, at the end of Luke, before the ascension of Jesus, to, Jesus said to the disciples before his ascension, yes, it is written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that his message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witness of all these things. Now, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now we get to John. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said to the disciples following his resurrection, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He said this to them as a, as a pre-commissioning, that the Spirit of God was going to come on the day of Pentecost. It would fill them with the presence of God. They were to be his witnesses, telling people about him here, there, and everywhere. You find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, we gather from all four Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. Those who live and believe in Jesus are to get the word out that to the world that God has a will and a way for their life. That is our responsibility. Just as we looked the last month at the responsibility within the household of husband and wife and family, this is the responsibility within the household of faith. You can't get out of it. I really do. I think as a church leader that when I stand before God, I will be held accountable for how we give you instruction and opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission. How are we making disciples? How are we sending people out on mission? How are we reaching people through evangelism? These are the things that belongs to the responsibility of the church. And what we've seen in the Gospels is that Jesus says to his disciples, go and get the word out. Go and share with people that, that there is a standard, there is sin, there is the bad news of separation from God, but there is the good news that God made a way for you to miss hell and make heaven. That that eternal life that's going on within you that you think about, God's already answered that question and already done all the work for you to have heaven. That's all the good news that he has entrusted to the church. We are sent, if you look at the scripture, we are sent to teach, preach, proclaim, converse, counsel, whatever word we want to use. The main idea is that followers are to share the same good news that they believed in themselves. Somebody shared it with you. And the same good news that you heard, that you didn't understand all about, that, you know what? The, the first time I heard the gospel so loud and clear in my heart and mind that I got saved that night, I say, share my testimony all the time. I don't even remember the man's name that was preaching. That's the truth. I know he was up preaching. And I know God's spirit called me to conviction. And I needed to be saved. Couldn't tell you his name. And so we often think of ourselves like, there's a whole lot of pressure. The Holy Spirit takes that pressure off. He, he does that work as he does the work in the heart. We are just 
a channel through which he works. And the main idea is that followers of Jesus are to share this good news that they themselves believe with others who need to be hearing it and others who need to be changed by it. And then conversion leads a path forward to discipleship. Really, we have to ask ourselves, how am I involved in evangelism? How am I involved in discipleship? I think that's, that's two questions every Christian has to answer right now. How are you involved in evangelism? How are you involved in getting the word out? How are you involved in discipleship? How are you involved in making disciples? Well, I need to be discipled. Good. You absolutely do. But, you, I mean, there comes a time, though, when you get to be about 85 years old, you can't use that excuse anymore. Yeah, I need to be discipled. We all got to grow. There's development at every stage. Every stage. I'm still learning as much as anybody. But I still have the responsibility to witness from what I do know and to teach to obey. Do you realize that the foundations class that we'll have on Sunday, that many are signing up for, that is, that's based on the commands of Christ. Because in the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them. And then he says this, and teach them to obey. Parents, can you teach your kids to obey? Then you can make a disciple. Then teach them to obey. The first thing you understand as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are accountable to the one who has all authority. So when we learn that, we can get rolling from there once we understand that we are accountable to God. And the disciples, by the way, they did this. Jesus gave them the Great Commission. And they took this and they ran with it and they took it seriously. They preached and they wrote and they shared and they gathered God's word out or got God's word out throughout as much of the known world with urgency. But when the disciples of Jesus, when, uh, but when the disciples of Jesus' day died, the mission did not die with them. When the disciples of Jesus' day died, the mission did not die with them. How do we know? Well, did you hear it? Have you heard it? Have you heard the good news preached? Do you have a Bible in your hand? Have you experienced these things? Then, then automatically they took it and it multiplied. So God help us if we're the church where it stops. If, if it's the, the house on our street where it should be going out, but it stops there. If it's the person in our, our place of business or on our team or within our family where it should be because we have the light that we would share the light, but it stops there. So it multiplies. Someone shared it with you and me as commanded by the king. I Seriously, as I just recall, I want you to think back in your life. Think back in your life with me. Who was it that you first heard the truth about God and his will in his way for you. Who was it? Who was it in your life? And everybody in here can think about that. Who was the first person you remember either sharing truth with you or they exemplified it before you? They served you in church. They quoted it all the time. You know, one of the first, the, one, one of my best friends in the world, that's the first time I ever remember someone telling me the truth of God. I've shared this before. He actually goes to church here. And, and I remember us talking about what it means to be saved. At that time, I was a kid and so was he. And I was like, I just think you have to be good. And he said, that's not what the Bible says. He told me, he's like, you, you have to be saved to go to heaven. And I was like, what's that about? I remember that. I remember God using that. And, and past that, think about the first person that you heard the truth about God from. Was it a parent? Was it a preacher? Was it a friend? Was it a teacher? Was it, was it online or, or was it in your home? Was it a servant at church? 
Was it a Gideon Bible in a hotel room? I've heard testimonies of that as well. That they've been in Christian culture, they've been in the world, and they're broken down one night and they open a Bible because it was there. Who was it that first shared God with you? Tonight, I, I, I would ask you before the night ends, thank God for whoever that was. Thank God for whoever that was that told you the truth about God, that shared the love of Jesus with you, who moved outside of their comfort zone to serve you. I think back when I was a kid, when I was a kid, there were, there were people in our church growing up that just sacrificed their time to lead us in a play or a song or a skit and all these things that they did. And when you're a kid, you think to yourself like, What are we doing as you get older? And now that I'm my age and I look back and still remember some of those songs that they taught me. You see, that's when you look at children's ministry as an opportunity for discipleship and stop looking at it as a burden to the church. Because then you begin to see how it multiplies over time as people were pouring into our life. We have that same opportunity with a ton of kids here. Man, thank God for whoever it was. That, that was taking this serious, the call of the mission to share God's word with somebody else. In John chapter 17, I love this verse. In John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. I love studying that passage. When Jesus prayed for those who were his followers, and he said in John chapter 17, verse 20, he said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So, so Jesus was praying for unity in the body. He was praying for those that the Father had given him. He was praying for his disciples then. And y'all, he was praying for us now. That's, that astounds me. And, and it also challenges me because it was through his followers and his church that he would establish that his message would go forward. Because the scripture says, all who will ever, which this is all ages. This is throughout the age. This is cumulative. So if we in 2022 are still eligible to be saved, then we are still commanded to be sharing. That is the first reason why we share is because our king said so. That's what our king has told us to do is our our king and savior. And y'all, I'm just like you. I, I must be reminded of within my own salvation. God is working in me. He's working through me. And God was not finished when he saved me. Did you hear that? God is, it's not over for you when God saves you. In fact, you're just getting started when you get up out of that water as the Lord now wants to teach you and use you to reach someone else so that his glory is real big and bad. Amen. If everyone who ever got saved kept their salvation to themselves, how would we have heard? And tonight, we'll, we'll talk about the reasons again that we need to reach to others and share the message of hope and forgiveness and truth and love. But the very first reason is because our selfless Savior and King just straight up commands it. It is a command to go and make disciples. So, church, I, again, I got to tell you, just as it is with submission to the wife and a husband, love your wife, the command to make disciples and reach the lost, this command is just not going to go away. It's just not. And we can hope he would excuse us, but he will not because we belong to him. I want you to think of it this way. This was taken from a book called Multiply, written by Francis Chan. He said, it is like a marriage 
where we enter into a relationship with Jesus and become a part of his family, the church. The Christian life is a process of better understanding what Jesus taught, learning to apply that Jesus, learning to apply that teaching in everyday lives, and then teaching others, people directly around us and people on the other side of the globe to do the same. Secondly, secondly, or other considerations as reasons to why we need to share. The, the first was based on the command. Go and make disciples. Go and preach. Be my witnesses. That was, that's based on what Jesus said for us to do in response to who he is as our selfless king and savior. The, the second is focused on the person. The second is focused on the person in your life. When you close your eyes and we talk about heaven and hell, you hope they go into heaven with you, but you're not sure. It's the person in your class. It's the person in your family. It's the person in your office. This is focused on the person because every person on the planet has rebelled against God. Every, I've said this before, the best people I know need Jesus. Every person that you know, everyone needs the salvation that Jesus offers. This means everyone in our church, everyone in our family, everyone in our office, on our team, all of it, outside of a right and real relationship with God, through turning from sin and turning to Jesus, they will be separate from God because of their sin. Now, now this is where we've all got to wake up. Because this is super, super serious and the part that I need to be reminded of. That for those that we say that we love, outside of a right relationship with God, they will go to hell. They will be separate from God. I know that it's easier not to preach that. I know that it's easier if we just don't think about it. But that's not what's in here, as we'll see. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, we're not going to read the whole passage, but I want to read you a couple of, of verses from that. Because this is speaking of the final judgment. In verse 32, the Bible says, and I want you to think of, of these people. Y'all, have a, I have a little blue sticky note on my desk with people that I pray for, that I have a relationship with, and pray that God would give me the opportunity to be bold and, and say something, just to say something. And so I think when we think of those folks, this is speaking of the final judgment. Did you know that it's appointed unto man wants to die and then the judgment? It's not appointed unto man wants to die and then you're annihilated. It's also not appointed once, or it's not also not appointed once to man to die and then everybody gets in. Like that's not what it says either. It says then the judgment. The judgment must mean that somebody's right and somebody's wrong. So in verse 32, the Bible says, Matthew 25, all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will be separate or he will separate, separate people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And this goes on to speak of the righteous and the unrighteous. And finally, in verse 46, it says, And they, speaking of the unrighteous, they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. They will go into eternal punishment. The righteous will go into eternal life. Y'all, I don't want to take for granted that everybody here is going into eternal life. If you're, if you're a church on a Wednesday night... Thinking to yourself, we, did you know that Ecclesiastes says a wise person thinks a lot about death? They, how many of you have ever been to a funeral in your life when you walk away from there going, ah, I didn't, that wouldn't really do anything for me. Every funeral I've ever been to is sobering. 
because it makes you think about what's next. How this life is brief and you never know what a day will bring. And so we think about eternal things. The scripture says, and they will go away, those who are unrighteous, into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. How entitled of it, or how entitled of us to think, well, I'm just glad I get to go. When those that we say that we love and the opportunities and influence that we have to use for God's glory, we don't. Y'all, this is the thing too. A lot of times we think that evangelism is boxed into this right here where I'm talking to Tony and Tony's talking to me and we have to do that and it's super awkward. A lot of you are influential and you can use whatever you got right now towards the gospel. If you lead, you got the mouth, you got the mic and you can do it till they say you can't. You've got to think about the influence that you have and what you can do with that influence towards the glory of God. This is why there are parachurch ministries that are in schools. This is why people start Bible studies at their place of business. This is why those things happen because they have got to get the word across and they don't know how, so they try to do this with the relationships that they have. How can you leverage your influence strategically for the gospel wherever you are? Because some of us can, we just don't. We can because our name's at the top. It says we lead here. Well, if you lead, then nobody else can tell you what to do. So by all means, go ahead and use it. This judgment is distinguished from others in the scripture. If you study Matthew chapter 25, speaking of the final judgment, this is distinguished from other kinds of judgment because of time and place, but the results are the same. This is a universal judgment, and those who are righteous are those who are connected to Jesus. Those who are connected to Christ. The, the punishment of the wicked, and this is where it's very sobering. The punishment of the wicked, and you may think to yourself, I don't know anybody that's wicked. All that means is somebody that remains in their sin and has never confessed their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't make that more complicated than it really is. The wicked are those who have denied faith in Christ, who would not receive his redemption. And so the Bible teaches that the punishment of those who remain in their sin is never ending eternal life of the righteous and are never ending, never ending destruction just as much as it is eternal life for the righteous. This is what the scripture says about that never ending death or separation. The Bible calls it different things throughout the scripture, but it's the same. Everlasting fire, unquenchable fire, shame and everlasting contempt, everlasting destruction. Like think of the names that we know that at least have a question mark and then apply this to them if they are outside of salvation. Everlasting destruction, unquenchable fire, everlasting shame, no second chances, and it's not annihilation. Annihilation at this point sounds better. One theologian put it this way, the wicked are forever subject to the fury and the wrath of God. They consciously suffer shame and contempt and the assaults of an accusing conscience, along with the fiery wrath of an offended deity for all eternity. And y'all, this is not the fault of God. It's not the fault of a, of a holy God who is just in everything that he does. The scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4, or th- chapter 32 verse 4, he is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright is he? It would be unjust if he didn't tell us. If, and he doesn't have to make a way, but he does. And so we are the plan to share 
a word of hope with those who would be separate from him. You know, there's a reason why you have someone in your heart. Let me, let me just say this. Just by a show of hands, anybody come to your mind when we talk evangelism? Anybody that comes to your mind? There's a reason why. It's because you know the truth and have been changed by it, and you know they need the same and you want the same for them. That's why those folks are on our heart. It's because we care about them. The same truth that changes us, the same truth that helps us, that assures us, that keeps us, is the same truth that they could have. And the eternity that was planted in the heart. And while they want to go to heaven, there is brokenness there. And while they want to go to heaven, there's barriers there in their life that either they can't see or they don't want to give up. And that's why they're on our heart. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For everyone is sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, and everyone and all is exactly what you think it means. The good news, though, is yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight, and he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sins. I want to stop here because the third week of this, we're going to actually share like methods of how to share your faith. Like here's how people have done it. This is a good way to think about it. But y'all, the the best way, and I'm not quoting myself, I've read this, but it's so true. The best way of sharing his story is sharing your story. Do you know what it is? Do you know what your life was like before Christ, when you met Christ, and what it's like now? If you will write that down and get it into about three minutes and then get it into about a minute and a half and then get it into about 30 seconds, it will help you. I'm telling you, it would help every single one of us if we made you get up here and share it. Seriously, I'm not going to do that. I think it'd be good, though. If every single one of us had to, then we would. Otherwise, we don't have one. We don't have a story. I was here, listen, again, and we've shared this before, but this, he shared this before. It's not so much about having a, a testimony like somebody else. You just need to know if you cross that line or not. You know, if you're in a plane, as we talked about, Agent Rogers used to say this. If you're in a plane from Alabama to Tennessee, when you land in Tennessee, you may not know the line when you crossed it, but you know you're in Tennessee. That's so good. So, so think about that. If you know that you are here now, what was going on before then? And when did you meet Jesus? And what's it like now? And what's it like now is not a requirement of perfection. You're being sanctified. If you were perfect, there'd be no need to save you. So the reasons why we share is because it's been commanded. Another reason why is because of the consequence of the sins of of one who remains in sin. And then this one is a little bit different. And it's going to, we're going to talk politically for a second. I know everybody loves to do that. But I think it's, I think it's necessary in our day and time. We're Christians. We're not humanitarians. Think about that for a second. We're Christians. We're not humanitarians. Meaning, we're for the glory of God and the good of man. Not the good of man and the glory of God. We're for the glory of God and the good of man. You may feel that your government should err on the side of greater oversight to help people have their needs met. You may feel that way, that the government should be the one that takes the lead to broaden the scope of the government's involvement so that more needs would be met. Or 
you may feel that the government should let people within their own responsibility and opportunity provide for themselves and promote themselves and be less interference from the government so that there will be more productivity within the personal responsibility. I guess my question is, as our staff has discussed this in recent days, what does our view of government have to do with our personal evangelism? What does that have to do with it? What does the way that we see the political sphere have to do with our our own personal evangelism? Meaning, if our primary mission as a follower of Jesus is to get the good word out, what does our view of how government should operate have to do with our personal responsibility to share God's good news together as a church? Should Christians be involved in social issues? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's why. Proverbs chapter 31 verse 8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Should Christians be involved in social issues? Absolutely they should. Should Christians be involved in moral issues? Absolutely. Scripture is the authority for all things ethical, just as it is for theology. And so we have to hold tight and true to the scripture through our practice, not just through our preaching, and not just for the purpose of keeping things like we want to keep them, but for keeping a sense of godliness in our culture that we are trying to affect, and so that we can make moral judgments. So, should Christians be involved in moral issues? Of course, absolutely. So if if you agree that both those who are, uh, both of these, if you would agree that involvement in social issues and moral issues is part of a biblical worldview y'all then just balance it out just balance it out defend those who are in need and stand on the truth do do all that you see in scripture but here's the thing in our day and time many christians on both sides of the aisle because both sides of the aisle seem to think that the other ones ain't even saved but many christians on both sides of the aisle are losing ground with the very people that God has told us to reach on both sides. When, when a politics, when, when politics becomes our mission, we will champion worldly issues that are important and relative to the world, but we'll champion those worldly issues to the point that you are losing power from your voice that God has given you for evangelism. That God has given you to share the truth of how God saves and God saves everybody through the blood of Jesus Christ. So be careful that your mission is eternal and not just humanitarian. Why? Here's why. Many that champion social issues do so to the point that they devalue moral issues or at least present themselves that they do. Now, listen to this one. Likewise, many that champion morality issues do so to the point that they devalue helping people or at least they present themselves as much. Both sides are so strong on both of those things that the other one thinks that they don't care about the other side. And what's being presented is not truth and grace, y'all. 
It's not truth and grace. What's being presented by many Christians is I'm right and you're wrong. You see, we're, we're, we're spending a ton of time on this, a ton of our life on this. And, and we're unwilling, both sides are unwilling to be self-reflective and self-critical to the point that we actually would actually strike a better biblical balance rather than learning about what we don't know about. We'd rather just stand on what we think. And while we're doing that, lost folks are going, all right, man, I'll check you later. Final word here on this. If we stand morally or stunt socially, are we doing so with the motive to reach or with the motive to be right? Which one is it? Why are we stunting socially? Why are we standing morally? Because we want to keep the deal that we've got or because we actually want it to work towards the gospel? Why did Jesus heal? Why did Jesus heal people? Out of what? Out of compassion. That's why Jesus healed people. And he did so to prove the power of God unto what? Salvation. That's why he took up that social issue of someone in need unto salvation. We meet needs in the temporary as an opportunity to share the truth about the eternal. Otherwise, we're just like any other world organization that's meeting needs and totally forget about the eternal one. Why did Jesus teach? Why did Jesus teach? For the standard of what's right and true, right? Jesus stood on what is right and true according to the will and way and word of God. Yes, but also that people would be saved. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You see that? God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You may see it differently than me, but I've got the microphone. Jesus took up social issues and moral issues, but for the purpose of eternal issues. So that people will be saved. We cannot expect lost people to take up moral issues. We can't expect people that don't know Jesus to act like Jesus and to reflect Jesus. And we can stand on as much as we want to, but the scripture even says that the spirit, the unspiritual do not understand spiritual things. We stand for the truth because it's within the truth that all people are sinners before a holy God who are in need of salvation for eternal life and a standard for this worldly one. If we subtract the gospel, just hear me this and I'll be done. If we subtract the gospel, and the good news of heaven from our stances. What are we doing any different from lost people who are trying to improve someone's quality of life? Did you hear that? Let me just say it one more time just so we all get it, including me. If we subtract the gospel and the good news from our stances, social or moral, what are we doing any different from lost people that are also trying to help people? Not a thing. We just want to be right. Just be careful, man. That's what I'm reminded of. We just need to be careful. In this day and time where tempers are flared and it's only going to take a spark to shut things down, I'm telling you, people that we hope to reach are looking in going, don't want to hear you, man. Don't want to hear you. 
Because if we're not balanced on grace and truth and one is out of balance, it's like we, we just hope God will kind of cover over that. Well, people see it. They see it. So why do we share the gospel? Why? Because Jesus said we were to do that. He's our king and savior. Why do we share the gospel? Because the consequences for those who do not repent and turn to Jesus are eternal. Just as long as eternal life will be, eternal separation will be. And why? Because we're not a humanitarian organization. We are Christians who keep the realities of heaven in mind. Amen? If you would like more information on Lindsay Lane, you can visit us online at lindsaylane.org or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to contribute to what God is doing here at Lindsay Lane, you can text LLBC to 73256. If you would like to know how to get connected, you can text LLBC to 31996 and fill out our online connect card. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next week.